Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Talk New York sports with us. 877-337-6666. Powered by Superbook Sports. Visit superbook.com. All right. McMonagley with you. Three o'clock. Three hours down, two more to go on our midnight ride. Fliegelman on the other side, and we got you for two more hours. How about another little tidbit about me, my passions and things I love? I love dirty martinis. I don't know if I've told you that. If you've listened to me, you know that I'm a big... I had someone tweeting about me before when I talked about... I I put out the honeydew thing, and someone tweeted, honeydew, $12 shrimp, and and, and olive-stuffed martinis. That's what McMonagle does. It's true. I do love dirty martinis with the blue cheese stuffed olives. They're delicious. But I'm a martini man. That is my drink. Got that from my dad as well. 877-337-6666. Unfortunately, I never had a chance to drink one with him. But we don't have to get too sad. No reason. 877-337-6666. Speaking of dads, let's just do it. Today, what did I do on the potty? That's what it is, the new segment. Daddy, why are you still on the potty? Because we all know as fathers, we hide from our children. All right, just for a little bit of time, we go to the bathroom and we sit on the toilet with our phones or whatever and spend an extra few minutes that we don't really need to be in there just for a little bit of quiet time. And today, for Dad, what are you still doing on the potty? I watched the first 10 or so minutes of the Netflix quarterback documentary with... uh, Peyton Manning, it was awesome. I am pumped for the night. Whenever I find time, hopefully. And now I have more time in the afternoons. It was awesome. So if you're not aware of what it is or familiar with what it is, it's a Netflix kind of docu-series where they're following three quarterbacks in the NFL last year. So they're following Patrick Mahomes, they're following Kirk Cousins, and they're following Marcus Mariota, which I think is a good... A group of players at three different stages. No, I, I I thought you could have went with a rookie instead of Mariota, but still the idea of a guy who is a high draft pick, hasn't really worked out for him. He's on a second team, and he's trying to still hang on inside the NFL. You have the, without question, a franchise quarterback who puts up good numbers, who's getting paid very well, but hasn't had the ultimate success and hasn't won the big games. And we know how his, around here how his season ended, losing to a, a giant team in a home playoff game that's probably, you know, still stinging him. And then you have Patrick Mahomes, who's the greatest quarterback in the league, and arguably one of the best to ever do it. So it's a good like dichotomy of the different stages of what a quarterback could be in the NFL. And following these guys around and watching what Patrick Mahomes goes through and some of the different uh, things inside you know, your personal life, on the field, it was just awesome. And the first, the hype up from, Pey- from Peyton Manning in the first 10 minutes was awesome. Like, I was like, man, he totally hooked me in how, what it's like to be a quarterback, how important the position is, how many different things you need to know, the experiences you go through, what you have to handle, your responsibilities. It was really interesting. I saw Patrick Mahomes go through a birthday party as he turned, you know, 27 years old on top of the world. The contract is already signed. Now he goes on to win a Super Bowl, obviously, that year, but he already has one in the bank. Watching him go through what he goes through, Kirk Cousins and his family, and the idea of learning a new offense under a new head coach, it was awesome. 
So if you have a chance, go check out this new quarterback. That I'm looking forward to watching the rest of it. I got I got about 10 minutes on the toilet before my wife said, enough is enough. Get out here. They're running crazy. I was like, okay. That's what it is. I get, Daddy, what are you still doing in there? Nothing. I'll be right out. Daddy, Batista beat Triple H. I'm like, okay, great. He's my my oldest. My both of them are, but my oldest, especially Tommy, is obsessed with WWE at the moment. Just absolutely obsessed. He was very upset with me that I won't let him watch NXT. Like, how much can I let you watch, Tommy? We watch Monday Night Raw. We watch Friday Night SmackDown. You watch all the pay per views. You play the video game. Like, I you gotta have some other things that you enjoy in this world besides wrestling. Now you want Tuesday Night. NXT? No. I got to draw the line somewhere. If you're not if you're not watching it, you're playing the video. If you're not playing the video, I mean, you're playing with your your toys, like your wrestling figures. Like it's just it never ends. February on a boring night in February, sitting home with the kids. I was like, "Oh, that's right." Scrolling through social media, scrolling through Twitter. I'm like, "Oh, it's Royal Rumble tonight." You know, they. I think they might really like the Royal Rumble. Why don't we just, you know, we'll order Peacock. I think there's that show on Peacock you wanted to watch anyway. Let's order, let's download, we'll get Peacock, and we'll watch the Royal Rumble tonight, see if they like it. It has changed my life in a profound way, that decision. That decision to put on the Royal Rumble that night has profoundly changed my life because it's all we do now. It's crazy. He's. I, I loved it when I was his age, too. I didn't love it like him. To the point where he came in one day, one of the last few days of Carton and Roberts, I brought him into the studio because I obviously can't bring him into the studio for my new shift. And I was like, oh, you know what? I'll bring him in. He's home from school. Um, other kids are coming in, so I'll bring him in. So I bring him in, and Evan starts talking to him about wrestling. Evan's obviously a big wrestling fan. And Evan starts talking to him and asking him questions. And out of nowhere, my son kind of just goes, yeah, you know, oh, no, Steve, Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Rock, they wrestled twice, uh, three times in WrestleMania. And Evan's like, that's that's very good. Uh, I'm surprised you know that. Yeah, no, I still I watch all the guys. Like he watches the new guys, old guys. So he's like, yeah, three times. And then Evan thought he was going to be like kind of a jerk and stump him. And he's like, yeah, but can you tell me which WrestleManias? And my son like just goes WrestleMania 17, WrestleMania 19, and like Evan's face was just like, what? He's right. And I'm like. I didn't even know that. How the hell does he know that? Kid, the kid loves wrestling. So it's been it's been fun and it's been chaotic. And every time I go into the bathroom, I get bang I get bangs on the door telling me who won what match and who just did this. It's, it's all they want to talk about. Val in the Bronx. What's up, Val? Good morning, brother Mac. How you doing, my man? Good morning to you, sir. How are you? I'm all right. I'm all right. It sounds like those guys are kind of young. I'm not sure the ages, but trust and believe, bro. You got a lot of time. Of them amazing you. So of course. It's only good things to come. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Every day they're going to say something different that's going to make you No, I believe me, I'm learning. I know. it's 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 It really is. They're at a great age. At four and six, they're just a lot of fun. We we, we goof around and have a lot of fun all the time. Yeah, I got a, I got a Yankee point and a Knicks point for you. But before sure. I get into that, were you guys talking about guitarists or something like that earlier in the show? That yeah, was I was talking about some music, talking about guitarists, yeah. One thing I will say, there's a guy that gets very, very underrated, him and the uh, one of the other members. And that's because, you know, a lot of people get caught up in the whole Bob Marley thing, but they forget that it was actually three guys that started that group to begin with. Peter Tosh, Bunny Whaler, and Bob Marley. Mm-hmm. And Peter Tosh is a very un- underrated and unheralded, yeah. like, bona fide guitarist. There's a, a chord solo he does on, if you ever heard the song Spirit Up? Yeah, of course. By... There's a chord solo that's on that song that's one of the most famous chord solos in reggae music history, hmm. and that's Peter Tosh playing that. If yeah, I mean, I have, that, to, I have to, I have to, yeah, I have to admit, as much as I, I, I like, uh, I love classic rock, and I do like Bob Marley, and I, I know, you know, I know a handful of his songs, but I, I've never gotten too much into Bob Marley, and I, I don't know who you're talking about, but I'll look into it if he's that good a guitarist, but. I I, had, I like Bob Marley. Friend- I'm not crazy into him, but I, I mean, I like the, obviously, you know, 
Three Little Birds and, like you They're, said, Steer It Up. And, yeah. Well, those yeah. are like the, the heavy hitters that everybody knows. Right. Exactly. Like, That's pretty much where I, I land on the Bob Marley scale. I'm I'm one of those guys who knows his hits. If you listen to it again, listen for the chord solo as it comes in. It's like a couple verses in. Listen to okay. that chord solo and it will blow your mind. Cool. But um, to get to my point, um, yesterday I called and I had a second question for you and I never got to get the second question. All right. Well, the well, second I, question was actually, That's why I'm on every night. Actually you have about, another opportunity. There you go. There you go. The second question was actually one. Well, like I said, I got a next point. But the second question was actually a two-parter. It was one. And I got a feeling that you answered my question. Do you think that Padres might be sellers at the trade deadline? Mm-hmm. And it sounds like you kind of like it's debatable right now whether or not they will be. Yeah. The, the, the second part of that question was, do you think, um, and I might have called you, uh, might have even been about a year and a half, maybe a year ago about this. Do you think that there's a chance that Tatis might actually be a cheaper get than Soto? Because, you know, mm-hmm. if, if you figure that they got to pick one or the other, that they're going to want to, hold on to one of the two of them. Yeah. Soto would probably be the one that they covered the most. And so Tatis might actually be a cheaper get than 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 Soto. I, I, I don't I don't think so because he's under contract. You have him for so long. He signed a long term deal. That's you, the thing that kills you you, you, you trade thing, yeah. you trade for Tatis, you have him. You trade for Soto, he could sign right. somewhere else Soto, in three years next year. Yeah. After next year. So you'd you'd have yeah, him right. for you'd have him for a year and a half and then he could sign wherever he wants and you could lose him. Where if you trade for Tatis, you've got him for what, nine years? He signed the he signed a nine year deal. Yeah. Now I don't know. You can make the argument that um and thank you for the call, you can make an argument that Tatis is the excuse that uh, ba- uh Bader. Uh that Soto is the better player. I understand that, but Tatis is so young, they're both young. And he, but he's under control now. That's the thing. So I don't know what. I mean, it's a lot of money. I, I don't. That's an interesting question. The thing is, the Tatis, you have him. You know, you got him. He's your guy. You trade for him. He's your guy for a decade. Soto, you have him a year and a half, and then you might lose him. Um, I would trade for either of them. For me, I know he. He's not been great in the outfield, Tatis, but he's he's a tremendous player. I mean, Fernando Tatis is a tremendous player. And you got him for a ton of years. Let me look at his stats real quick. I'm curious what he's doing this year. Um, he's played 70 games. He's got 16 home runs. So he's on, you know, he's on pace for damn near 30 home runs. He's led the league in home runs once already at 42 a couple of years ago in 21. So 16, 44. His batting average is 288. His OPS is 871. That's, I mean, he's not having a world class season. It's the lowest OPS of his career, amazingly enough, in the three years prior to being. Uh, obviously, one's the, sh- the the COVID year, and the other in last year he was suspended and hurt. But I mean, he's got a career OPS of 944, and you know he's led the league in home runs. He's not a great outfielder, which is where the Yankees would play him. But I would definitely be open to trading for Fernando Tatis, without question. He's a great player. And I would trade for Soto. The question about the Padres and whether they would not, to me, I think they will trade if they decide they're out of it. The question is how long will it take for them to believe they're out of it? Because they're so good. They're so talented. They've put all this money into the team. They've gone out at this and attacked it as to try and win a championship now in this time frame that it's hard for me. But at the same time, you're right. They have so many guys and they still have Soto under contract for next year, so maybe not. But I would be surprised if they really find themselves out of the playoffs again. They might want to tweak some things because the value of Juan Soto goes down next year because you don't have him for a full year. Like If you trade him now and you know you've got this run and you've got a full season next year, teams are going to pay a lot more than the deadline next year where it's just the one run. You've got two runs at it with Soto before you have to pay him. So his value is much higher than it will be next year or even in the offseason. So if you make the decision that it's unsustainable and we're failing at it, like that's the thing that the Padres have to realize because the Padres are in a, a mild market. Like they're not they're not in one of the top markets in baseball. It's shocking they're spending this money. I don't know if it's sustainable. So when you look at this team and Machado's to a long-term deal and, and Bogarts is to a long-term deal and Tatis is to a long-term deal, can you really give Soto a long-term deal? And if not, and I understand the thought process of still chasing championships while you have Soto. But if you get to the point where it's like his value is never going to be higher, 
something about this group isn't working because now I'm missing the postseason and I'm under 500. Right, maybe I need to do something to offset some of this money. Can I really pay all these guys? And if the answer is yes, then you don't trade them because the team is, you know, offensively dynamic. It sh- at least it should be. At least it should be. They're a very interesting case study, the San Diego Padres. Very interesting. Ray in Long Island. What's up, Ray? Hey, good morning. How are you? Good morning to you, sir. Ray, what's going on? All right, I want to say something about Steve Cohn, but just to yeah. the point you were making, Juan Soto in New York with a long-term contract with the Dominican support of the people of New York, he'd have Bryce Harper numbers. He's one of the best oh. talents I've seen come up in no, baseball no question. in years. No, and his yeah. a, I mean, he's, 20, he's going to be 26 years old or 25 years old. He's, I mean. It's an absolute... Uh, it's a no-brainer yeah. to make the move for me. If you can make it, uh, you know, you have to trade away probably your whole farm system. Uh, but I would, I would, if you're the Yankees, you have to consider it. He fits the team like a glove. Oh, you, you got it, and Yankees he's phenomenal. Have go you have to go after him if he's available. Yeah. It's, it's just will yeah. San Diego make him available? Well, they won't have a choice in a couple of years. I, no, they could sign him. I don't think his agent or will they, let him sign without seeing what the Yanks are the or, or they could, yeah, but I mean, or they could chase a championship. I mean, they put all this money into the team. If they don't trade him this year and then next year they get off to a crazy hot start, they're not going to trade him just because they they don't they they don't think no. they'll sign him. They'll trade him. They'll chase a championship with him, and then the Yankees would just yeah, have absolutely. an opportunity to sign him in free agency. All I'm saying is that when he becomes available, if you yes. don't go after him, you whether don't it's money or it's, whether it's money or via trade, the Yankees should be first yeah. in line to visit uh, and consider trying to get Soto on their team. No question about it. Absolutely. Now about Stevie Cohn. Yeah, let's talk about him. Met fans should be grateful to their lucky stars of that course. he's the, the owner of that team. The problem with the Mets basically from the perspective of winning a championship is they're still paying the sins of the Wilpons. And that really has to do with the farm system and the scouting system. Yeah. Um, Stevie's made the team competitive now because he's spent the money in conjunction with the tax write-offs he gets because of his other income, which is not making him too popular with the other owners. But from a fan's perspective, you've got to be grateful that this man owns this oh, team. Oh, a- absolutely. Uh, You'd be a fool. I'm sorry. You'd be a fool. To, to you know, not be happy with Steve Cohen, you'd be an absolute fool. He does everything you could possibly do. He has, you know, he hasn't. He has this year. The team has had some failures, and it's funny you bring it up, Rand. Thank you for the call because I'm going to get into a Fleegelman on it on that subject of the idea of Sandy Olderson and paying for the sins of the past. Because when Steve Cohen, your great owner, and he is a great owner, because he does the, the the. It's not a long checklist. That's quite. Let's let's be honest. I know the the fan base also gets into the idea that he's a fan. He loves this. He brought back Old Timers Day. He brought back the black jerseys. He's you know he's he's Keith Hernandez's number is retired. He does all that. That's fine. But the true checklist for a great owner is quite simple. There's not a lot of checks. It's very simple. It's write the checks and it's have the desire to win. Like that's it. I don't know what else you really want from the owner. I mean, yeah, hire good people. No question. But really, be willing to spend the money and care about winning. That's it. And he's willing to do it. You don't expect him to make all the baseball savvy moves. Like, that's not up to him. Write the checks. And he's done that, and he will do that, and he's proven it in every way. If there is a way to spend a nickel that would improve the Mets, he'll do it. There's no doubt about it. From a nickel to a million. Anywhere in between. If it will help them in any aspect. Any aspect. Like if he wants to splurge for those garbage bags that stretch and don't break, if he and you know you, you no matter what you're pushing them, even with things with a point, you know that those garbage bags aren't going to break. If he thinks that'll make a difference by putting those garbage bags in the garbage pails that are in the clubhouse, he'll do it. He'll even the scented ones, which I'm not a big fan of, but he'll he'll splurge on garbage bags to million dollar players, like and everything in between. That's all you could ask for. The topic that that caller just brought up, and I know Fliegelman is a, you know, it's a case study to his own heart. And what this owner mentioned when he sat at that weird table with that weird chair, you know, we just get a normal chair with the normal, you know, tablecloth behind the normal background. Why he decided to like look like he was at a comedy club at that ridiculous like met table with the, the, the little chair with no back. 
What a weird setting that was. But anyway, in that press conference, he talked about it multiple times about where they are in the farm system, what kind of system he took over, where it's been. And he's 100% right. Let's be fair. And so we could talk about I talked about all show yesterday, trading for Otani. There's the Beatty, the Vientos, um, Mauricio. There's not a single pitcher. There's not a lot of guys. And they have drafted as worse, as bad, excuse me. That was terrible English. They have drafted as poorly as any team in baseball over the last handful of years, despite the fact that a lot of their draft picks have been at the major league level at Alonzo and McNeil uh, and, uh, you know, different guys who've uh, – uh, Nimmo, who were first-round picks. All those guys were high draft picks, but you get a lot of picks in, in in the Major League Baseball draft, and nobody has been worse at bringing their prospects to fruition and to the Major Leagues than the Mets, and it's what set them back. And I know Fliegelman on the other side is huge on this, and that's why you respect this owner because he's dealing with something that's hampered the team for a long time. And right now, as you look to improve this team and make, that's why you have to go out and sign Verlander and you have to go out. The owner talks about it. The reason he has to put so much money into the rotation is because there's zip zero inside the organization. So when you talk about trading guys, it's a give and take about whether you want to actually trade away prospects for stars because the prospects are, it's a barren wasteland in the major league system, in the minor league system, excuse me. Right, Fleeks, there's nobody worse in Major League Baseball over the last 10 years in building a farm system than, I mean, I guess Sandy Alderson and the Mets. Yeah, going back to like 2011 when Sandy Alderson took over, he had some good draft picks that first year, but after that, it was a wasteland, which was mostly Sandy, a little bit of Brody Van Wagen, but that right. like, obviously an agent who is just as qualified to run a <laughs> baseball team as me, as you. Obviously, he didn't draft players, but right. what they did in those Sandy years it left this team really empty, especially on the pitching side. And you mentioned the big names with an Alonzo, with Nimmo, with McNeil. It maybe kind of made people gloss over the rest because, all right, they're hitting on some good position players in yeah. a way that the Mets hadn't done before. Yeah. But their pitching, there was just, there was nothing in there when Steve Cohen took over this team. The best right. pitchers the Mets have brought up that were drafted or signed in the last decade are guys like David Peterson and Tyler McGill who Mets fans get sick when they have to watch sure. them on the mound. And that's why, you know, we he's when you're when you're talking about making these trades, it's he's riding the fine line. And I don't know if it's necessarily why they they're losing at the moment. I mean, although the the, the starting pitching you go out and sign 40-year-olds because you have no options in, in you know, in interiorly, you know, through the farm system, so you have to go out and and get those guys. But besides that, I mean, spending all the money has actually pushed back draft picks, right? They picked four picks later than they could have where they were in the standings because he's spending money, so that hurts it too. But the idea of not trading away guys or, you know, the trading guys and spending money to get back bigger prospects, he's trying to do both at the same time. He's trying to serve two masters, put a, a winning team on the field while putting together a farm system, and it's it's culminated in one great year and one bad year here, but ultimately it's an impossible task that you feel honestly great about this guy attacking, in my opinion. How do you not feel good about what he's done and you know he's going to hire a new baseball of operations head? And right now, I mean, you've got to be thrilled to have him as an owner. Well, how can you not be? Because you laid it out. The, the options were... Do what the Mets are doing. Spend a ton of money in free agency. And yes, the players are older, but that's who's available right. as free agents. You know, there's a reason those kind of guys are out there. Or a complete rebuild. And as a Mets fan who just sat through years and years of awful baseball, I didn't want to sit through a rebuild. Sure. I know it ended in a very disappointing fashion last year, but I got to enjoy it. Last year was the second best regular season the New York Mets franchise has ever had. Yeah. You can't just dismiss that, especially if you are a Mets fan who over the course of your fandom, you've watched more often than not mm -hmm. really, really bad baseball. Yeah. So you can't just throw away a great regular season because you're upset about how it ended or how the next year ended up transpiring. No, no doubt. And so that's like that's what you've seen from him. One, he's changed the way the the rest of Major League Baseball and their players view the Mets because immediately he comes in, he trades for Lindor, pays him the big contract, he goes out and signs all these guys. Scherzer's talking about it at the press conference where he gets signed. It's, you know, it's, you know, Steve brought me here, you know, his willingness to spend, his willingness to do whatever it takes to win. That's how the rest of the league feels about him, the rest of the players at least. 
And he's trying to serve two masters where he's putting all the money into these short. I mean, that's part of the reason why I got 40-year-olds, too. Like, I know Evan was like, well, you could have got Gosman, who obviously would have been a better signing than, um, than Scherzer is. I mean, you had to have that foresight. Yeah, I guess. But at the same time, he was thinking shorter, high-priced deals, get through this time pay the money up front while I'm building the farm system, and then those those contracts come off the book sooner, and then I can start supplanting those people with guys I've built through the farm system because ultimately, as much as he's willing to spend the money, same thing for Steinbrenner too, as much as you're willing to spend the money, you know the best way to build a franchise is through your farm system. You can add pieces here or there, and obviously the payroll is not going to come down too much, but you want to build through core guys, and they've done a fairly decent job with some of the position players players but the pitching is lost and as we said they did a study over the last 10 years not a single team in the league over the last 10 years has had less draft picks make it to the major league whether for them or the Mets that's crazy the Mets can't be that bad at drafting something has to change and the ownership is part of it so I feel if you're really upset as a Met fan that the owner is or even the GM, let's be totally honest. I don't love every movie made, but like you just said, the Mets had the greatest regular season in my memory for the Mets last year. And he's he was the GM for it. It's the same thing with the with Cashman in the 90s. Yeah, he didn't put together every single piece. A lot of the pieces were, were there when he was there. But, you know, he in 98, he brought in uh, Scott Brocious. Did he help Chuck Knobloch? Did he help, like, you know, El Duque? Was, was he worth, you know, any of the championships that followed 98, 99, 2000? Like... When you're the GM, you get the credit. So these two guys are having a miserable season here that's not over, by the way. And last year's team was as fun, as exciting, and as, I don't know, gritty and tough and finding ways to win as any Met team in, in my memory. So, I mean, it's tough to call me up and start getting on the owner. It's, it's, it's damn near impossible. 877-337-6666. We'll get into more of the Mets if you want. We get into the Yankees and the Patches, which I know bothers everybody. It's so ridiculous to me. I mean, it. I guess it bothers me, but people go nuts that they've caved to capitalism and they've embarrassed the franchise. And it's, you know, it's a, it's the, I get it. They had the, the Nike swoosh, right? We all went nuts. Does anyone even know they have it? Like, does anyone really even know they have it? You don't even know the patch. How many times you buy a jersey and it has a patch on it? You're like, oh, what is that? Oh, it's the black band. Who's the... Who passed away that year? Oh, what does that patch mean? This patch is all over the place. Nobody knows. No one cares. But right now, we just hate them so much that everything they do, and especially if it's to try and make money, oh, boy. But again, it's $25 million. It pays for uh, it pays for Donaldson, so feel good about that. Don't worry about it. Maybe they'll be willing to release Donaldson now because they just made his $25 million back. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. We know what we think. What do you think? Call the fan at 877-337-6666. Powered by Superbook Sports. Visit superbook.com. Let's go. Nah, 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 nah. 
All right, so I got good news and bad news. The good news is, and thank God, LeBron James is not retiring. Whew. I was, I was really worried about it. I was up all night last night concerned, but apparently he went on the ESPYs today and guaranteed he'll be back for next season. So let's all take a collective breath because we almost didn't have LeBron James in the NBA. What would we do? So thankfully he made that announcement at the ESPYs, you know, because that's it's about him, clearly. So it's a good thing we got that out of the way. So take a deep breath. Now, the bad news. And I'm not going to go crazy. I'm not going to go crazy. But I'm frustrated with the Immaculate Grid. Those of you who haven't picked up on this uh, new phenomenon, the Immaculate Grid is a fun little game that I don't know who came up with, but now uh, Baseball Reference actually purchased it, and now it's run by Baseball Reference. But it's a fun little game where it's a nine-squared grid where you have to match up uh, things together. So there'll be three names on top, whether it's a team or a category, and then on the left side, team or category, and where the categories meet in the box, you have to put someone, for example, this one has Colorado Rockies, San Diego Padres, 500 home runs on one side, uh, and Detroit, Oakland, and San Francisco on the other side. So you'd have to come up with a 500th, a guy who has 500 home runs and played for Detroit in the top right box and so on and so on. Or, or find someone, a player who played for both the Padres and the A's. It's Immaculate Grid. And we've all, all it's baseball fans, it's kind of become the new thing everybody's doing. Well, I'm actually pissed at them for this one. Because it was only, it was less than a week ago where, in my opinion, they had the toughest grid yet. And I remember Evan and I were talking about it. It's a very tough grid and it was a grid where you had to find a Colorado Rocky who also was a Detroit Tiger. It was very tough. We talked about it for like a half hour. Everyone was posting about it. We were all aware that it was very tough to come up with a Rocky and a Tiger. We couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. Evan of course figured someone out. But I couldn't do it. it, it Twitter was a buzz. Us immaculate fans were all besides ourselves. I can't think of a, a Rocky and a twin, a Rocky and a Cub. Excuse me, a Rocky and a Tiger. Can't think of a Rocky and a Tiger. This was like five days ago, and I just opened it up to check the immaculate grid, and sure enough, here's a. It was five days ago, and you're throwing Rocky Tiger back at us. Five days later. The same category, which now I know the answer to because me and Evan went over it for a half hour. You got to do better than that. I understand you had an ownership change. I get it. And I understand maybe something got lost in translation. But can you look through the last week and make sure that you don't have the same teams in the same places? I have an easy layup. And it wasn't just like a ho-hum couple of, you know, two teams that are easy to forget to put together. It was the toughest thing that we were all discussing. All of us immaculate heads were discussing the fact that the Rocky Tiger box was impossible. So we probably, after the day, Googled it, figured it out. Now we all know at least one Rocky and Tiger. We all know it. You've ruined it. You've ruined my 3 o'clock hour. I was looking forward to it. It dawned on me, hey, I haven't opened up Immaculate Grid yet. I go to it, boom. Rocky Tigers. Octavio Dottel. I know it. Octavio Dottel. I know it. Because Evan told me. I don't even want to look at it. Take it away. Off my screen. 877-337-6666. Stuart in Brooklyn. What's up? Good morning, Steve Lance. How are you? Good morning, sir. How are you? All right. Look, I know you, you say about Steve Cohen, but let's say this, but he's, he's spending the money. He wants to make this team a winner. No question. He, he's spending he the money and trying to build the farm system at the same time. And that's very difficult to very do. Very difficult to do, but he's spending the money for sure. Which, I mean, listen, it's kind of what the, the Yankees do, but they didn't, they didn't have, um, you know, the worst draft 
I know the Yankees, uh, a lot of people. I know Ernie Acosta used to work here, get on the Yankees draft. The Mets have been the worst in baseball, so he's really starting from a barren uh, wasteland. Barren situation. Yeah. And with the Yankees, they've had their drafts, but not like not like with the Mets. They haven't been the they, – they, they're actually – so here's the – I just saw it. I wish I would have uh, kept it on the page. Let me just see right yeah. here. I, um, the list right here. Okay. So in the last 10 years, the percentage of, of drafted players who make it to the major leagues, and as much as we hate the Yankees and we understand they haven't developed a pitcher and, you know, the draft yeah, players, they, they're, they're third on the list. So they have had 326 draft picks over the last 10 years. 64 of them have reached the major leagues. That's 20%. That's third best in Major League Baseball. The Astros are number one. They're at a 23% clip. The Dodgers are number two, and the Yankees are tied with the Dodgers. 20% clip. The worst in baseball is the Mets. They have drafted 328 um, players, and only 30 have reached Major League Baseball. That's 9%. That's the worst in baseball. The Yankees are tied for second with the Dodgers. Right. And the thing is, the draft is a crapshoot, but you have to have good scouting. You have to have good people. Of course. Keeping an eye on the players and what they can do and what they can't do. Well, you know what? That's a very good point, Stu. When drafting players, you really need people to look at them. Otherwise, what the hell are you doing? You can't just look at the, what they've done on paper. No, no. you got to actually you got to make sure you actually lay eyes on them. Otherwise, you know. And uh, see, Mike, the, yeah. the thing is, the house timer says about the, the payroll. Fred, he spent a lot of money. Yeah, we brought back Aaron Judge, but we didn't get a left fielder. But no. Hopefully they can get one at the in the deadline, which is like two or three weeks away. Whatever. Correct. And the, the Mets, and yeah, they had to go out and get shows. They had to go out and get Berlander to replace DeGrom and, and Senga to replace uh, Tyron Walker. And Bassett. Bassett, yep. And I would have, would you have kept Chris Bassett if you were the Mets? Um, you could have. He's, I mean... Uh, he's he got off to a bad start with uh, Toronto. Then he had a good stretch. I'm not sure how he's been the last couple of weeks, but he's been up and down with Toronto, having a decent year. Um, you could have kept him, but I, I think they he left a bad taste in their mouth. He was uh, he wasn't alone. Scherzer and Degrom were kind of, you know Scherzer especially both were you know he, Bassett was terrible against Atlanta at the end of the year and, and then so was, was terrible in the postseason. The only one good was Degrom, really. He well, against Atlanta, I don't, no, he pitched Diego, well, he won the only game. Correct. So he was he wasn't as bad as the other two, but I think it just left a bad taste in their mouth with Bassett, and they thought they could improve. With Verlander and, and Kodai Senga and Quintana, you're forgetting about because right, he Quintana hasn't pitched hasn't yet. Pitched like just like Carlos Rodon until the other day, he had. Well, now yet. he's back and ready to go, Stu. Yeah, so that's when you talk about the money that wasn't spent. There it is, right there in Carlos Rodon. So hopefully, well, hopefully, hopefully, the rest of the year he can stay healthy and give us something of value for what they spent on. Right. Well, the, right. I mean, you're looking for value, no question. Hopefully, he pitched well. He pitched fine, I, and that was the first start, and he's going to get the first start after the break. And, so and I'm looking the, forward to it. And the, and the, and God knows we need baseball bring it back. Help? What's that? think Sean and Casey will help that, the hitting? I honestly do. As crazy as that sounds, I honestly do so think he he's going to help. Well, absolutely. That doesn't, you know, so do a lot of people. Uh, doesn't that, that, doesn't, that doesn't mean they're necessarily good communicators no. and good coaches. Hopefully he can turn them around. The, I, the hitting is not there. Well, no, the lineup stinks at the moment. Um, again, for me, and the reason why I didn't, I, you, you don't get wrapped up in hitting coaches. I never have, never will. I, I never thought, you know, I don't blame Dylan Lawson necessarily for what's gone on here, but here's the thing. With this veteran-laden team, right, it's not a bunch of kids. There are kids. There's Volpe. There's, there's some younger players. But it's pretty much, right now at least, a veteran-laden team. I don't think that the hitting coach is really going to come in and change approaches massively. I don't think he's going to come in here and change what Rizzo does or what Stanton does. He's not going to suddenly say, you know, Stanton, you've kind of had that closed stance for a few years. Let's open that bad boy up. Like, I don't think that's going to happen. Maybe, but I don't think so. To me, his comments about the team being, you know, there's a lot of being tension there. I think that's it. I think that's why you go with Sean Casey because he's the kind of guy who breaks tension. He's like uh, Nick Swisher. He's out. He's outgoing. He's kind of you know out there. He's weird. He says funny stuff. He's kind of you know. I told you. I know. I've said it a couple times. I saw him on 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 MLB Network. 
you know, making fun of some guy and, and talking about how he smelled like cat pee or something. It was like a we. I had no idea what he was talking about. He was laughing through it. You couldn't understand a word. I was like, they put this on television? Like, I couldn't believe it was on MLB Network. I couldn't understand what the hell he was saying. But you know what? Like, maybe that's what they need. They just need a guy in there who's going to break it up, uh, you know, give them sound advice, too, clearly. I'm not saying you can go in there and just be – I'm not then looking just a court jester. But, like, someone who could help them with that, but also break the tension. Able to talk to Rizzo about the time he went through a slump. Like, a, a, a former major leaguer who's a little bit out there, a little bit of a character, friends with the manager, break up the tension inside that room because I'm telling you, I can feel it, too. It's they don't believe in themselves – like hitting coaches are about breeding confidence, and I think him coming in could breed some confidence in the team, and and break up the tension, and 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 have more answers than just well, I was you know because I think that's all Dylan Lawson had. He had no experience as a major league player because he wasn't, and there was nothing to build off of or or go to or story he could tell or any kind of way he can relate to them. All he had was to dive deeper and deeper into the notebook, and eventually that got lost on the players. I don't think Aaron Boone and Cashman didn't make this move if they didn't see a problem. And if they would have just went for the next guy, even outside the organization, if they would have went for another guy who's just a stereotypical, you know, knows how to build a swing and has been a hitting coach for a long time and this and that, I don't know if it would I'm not saying that would have been a bad hire, but that would have been changing approach. That would have been working on swings. That would have been the same stuff that hitting coaches do. I think part of the reason they chose this guy and chose Sean Casey is because he's someone who can really come in and change the dynamic of player coach and bring some different, you know, vibes because the vibes suck. The vibes around the Yankees suck. It's it, that's part of it too, man. It's, you know, the fan base, the booing, they're, they're booing tribute videos to guys who've already been jettisoned out of here. Like it's just, and the 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 offense is so bad right now that they have no confidence in each other, no confidence in themselves, and they just need they need the vibes to change dramatically. And this guy's going to come in here with his Don Mattingly you know mustache talking about cat pee, and, and then he's going to totally change the vibe, hopefully for the better. But I don't know. Eddie and Rockland, what's up, Eddie? Hey, Mac, what's happening, man? Hey, buddy, how are you? Oh, well, barely hanging in there. Barely hanging uh, in there? Come on, you can do better than that. Well, listen, I hear all this jet stuff. I hear people, uh, the beginning of the, when they talk in Rodgers, they're saying right to the Super Bowl, and then I hear some fans talking, barely making the playoffs and stuff. But mm. let me ask you a question here. As far as Douglas, if they lose another, have a losing season or don't make the playoffs. Yeah, oh, just disaster. Say, just say if. Do you think Douglas will be the first GM who gets another contract after five losing seasons? It depends on how it goes, but probably not. No, if this turns out to be a fail, it depends. Remember, uh, he's got a six-year. He's got a six-year deal. No, I I understand that. So I, I think he'll probably write out the because con- I think he'll write out the tenure of of Rogers. I would think. Like it depends on how you get to a losing season. If Rogers plays and he's awful. I don't even know what happens if he gets hurt. It's a different thing, but like there now, he's now connected to Rogers. So I would think he'll they'll have him write out the the brief tenure of Aaron Rodgers here. But I can't imagine that happening and being unsuccessful and having a losing season and missing the playoffs. I don't know how that works. But could he could theoretically could he still keep his job? I don't know. It's a tough sell. It depends on how it happens. Injuries or or you know. Whatever. Because I can't imagine everyone being healthy and that happening. I can't imagine Rodgers being that bad. Or if, if Rodgers just looks like he fell off a cliff and his talent's completely gone and he looks old and decrepit and they can't you know, block for him well enough and he's, he's, he looks awful and he's throwing picks all over the place. I don't know. I, I suppose. But I'm not thinking about that. I, I, I can't think about that. You shouldn't be thinking about it. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. You know, I do this whole thing on the Jets to to really open the the two o'clock hour or whatever the one o'clock hour. I do the Giants, I do the Jets. I take a couple of Jet calls, and, and they're all negative. 
I get the Jet phone call, like literally, you got Aaron Rodgers. You're going to be on hard knocks. You're going to have a bunch of primetime games. Everybody wants you. You're the sexy team in the NFL. You got a Hall of Fame quarterback. You got young, talented kids all over the place. You got arguably already the best cornerback in the league. You got Wilson, who looks like a stud wide receiver to go along now with playing with Aaron Rodgers. Who knows? The sky's the limit for what he can become. You got Brees Hall, a young uh, running back who theoretically, if healthy, could be one of the great uh, game-breaking players in the league. You got all this talent. You had a defense last year that was a top five defense. All right, maybe a little overrated, maybe broke and, you know, a little bit too much in games. And you felt like, you know, especially like the Lions game, for example. All right, so maybe they're not quite that good, but they're good. They're getting better. You got a defensive coach. You got the, you got everything you want. You're the team everybody wants to be. And this is the call I get. Do you think that if Joe Douglas loses yet again, that he will be the first coach, uh, the first GM to keep his job after five losing seasons? Why are we thinking about Joe Douglas having a fifth losing season? Get it out of your heads, you weirdos. Not to call you a weirdo specifically, but get it. Stop. Just stop. Have some confidence. Enjoy this. Enjoy the fact that you're going to be on hard knocks and that everybody wants to know what's going on with your team. Enjoy the fact that everybody's going to hate you and you're going to have the, the bullseye on you from everyone inside the NFL. You're never that team, ever. Honestly. You have not been that team since Joe Willie at the at the pool was guaranteeing Super Bowl championships and then wearing fur, co- fur coats on the sidelines. Like, that's the last time you were the bullseye. That's the last time anyone said, we got to, we'll take it on the Jets this year. And this is what we're talking about. What Joe Douglas is going to, what's going to happen to Joe Douglas after another losing season? Get it together. To quote Russo, have some guts. Like seriously, it's just obnoxious. It's really obnoxious that the Jet fans have uh, are just have no ability to have any kind of confidence. He said he was a Jet fan, though, right? Am I rail- railing on a, a non-Jet fan? You're, it's a welcome to the overnight moment. Okay. He, despite what he says, yes. hates the Jets. Okay. I'm just. He saying. lied to you, Chris. I, 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 I listen. I could, I could kind of tell. The way he said, you know, uh, immediately right into the Douglas losing. But still, I mean, I, I don't know. Why would you? Is he a Jet fan or not? Because if, if you are a Jet fan who just happens to hate the Jets, it's not uncommon. Right? I mean, all I do is talk to Yankee fans who hate the Yankees. So I get it. But, I mean, this is its just so frustrating because the Yankee fans are the same way. And, and I mean, it's different. It's different. But, like, the season's about to start. You got Aaron Rodgers. Your HBO wants to view you because you're as interesting a team as as, as anyone. You got more primetime games than you've had in your freaking life. You got more primetime games you've had this year than in the last five or six years, and you're guaranteed one a year. Like, wake up, man! How are you not through the roof pumped if you're a Jets fan? I don't understand it. Jimmy's calling from the garbage truck. What's up, Jim? Hey, good morning, C Mac. Jimmy and the old honey wagon. This thing's right this morning, man. <laughs> hey, um, <laughs> you know, C Mac. I think there's something to be said for a guy like Sean Casey. You know, to to cut cut maybe a little tension. Yeah. If you remember in two in 2017, there was a little magic in that dugout with the theatrics of Ronald Torres. Ronald Torres and D. They had they had the toe show. Yeah, remember. Did pick Torres up to five Judge? Yeah, that was Judge's rookie, right? Yep. And and then the actress. I'm I'm sorry, Jimmy. You're breaking up, and I got your point. And I, you know, yeah, you had me laugh, but the the truck was ripe. So good for you. Um, yeah, no, you, you're right. It's lost a little bit of fun. Now that comes with losing year. That was an unexpected successful season. Nobody saw that coming. They were not picked. To, to win a lot of games that year. Judge took the league by storm. Nobody saw you know Aaron Judge hitting 50 home runs that year. Uh, and they were much better than you thought. And they had this great resurgence of a year, and it was a lot of fun. It's arguably, I mean, Mike uh, mentioned his favorite Met regular season, and the best regular season for the Mets in a long time was last year. I got to tell you, 17 is probably, 
you know, 96 was special because it was the first year of that group and they win the World Series. 98 was special because they just never lost and they were the greatest team ever. But, I mean, 17 is, is, is without question at least third, and it might jump 98 because they had already won a championship at that point, and it became just rote. Like, hey, we're going to win. Was it that much fun? You could not pay attention. They were up 150 games in June. You knew the division was over in June. 17 was a ton of fun. And you're right, Didi Gregori is picking up Toe to just high five. And then they, had, you know, he was turning the water bottles into a camera and they were having the Toe show after home runs. You know, Judge was was hitting these home runs. You couldn't believe what we, we had, you know, winning the home run derby, everything. It was so much fun. It was a great regular season. And you're right, I think they've lost some of that, especially now because the fan base was was joyous then and it is not now. And not to blame the fans, to be whatever you want. And they've been bad enough in the postseason and frustrating enough over the last handful of years to be the way you are. That's fine. But you could tell it's weighing. It's just the whole vibe around the team is weighing on these guys. So, yeah, bring in Sean Casey. Like I said, come in there, tell some wacky stories, tell clubhouse stories about how you you know used to go out after the games in Cincinnati and you know throw Skyline Chili all over yourselves or whatever stupid story they got. Can, you know, figure out a way to break the tension a little bit. I think that's as important as, you know, where your hands are, how you attack a 2-0 fastball. 877-337-6666. All right. We're almost there. One hour left till the warm-up show. Come back, take your phone calls. Maybe talk about Saquon Barkley again because I am fascinated by it because I don't know. As stories break here and as you get the news, oh, he's, you know, first game's in jeopardy. I can't imagine how Saquon Barkley actually thinks that he can win this fight. I just, hopefully they come to an agreement. Hopefully they come to a deal. But if there is a game of chicken and he thinks that, you know, sneaking, you know, trying to put it out there that he could miss game one, he's not. And if they're playing a game of chicken, he ain't winning. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.